0: You must understand that my first comments today are not just spontaneous, they, they have been planned. You have before you at St. Anthony a remarkable example. Now I'm actually going to explain a piece of the liturgy today, but to do that I need to explain to you this, this remarkable, and I'm very serious today, sometimes I'm not serious at this point, but I am today. You have an example in front of you. I do a lot with this deacon. Sometimes he teases me or I tease him. And we were, we just lost it during matins because I made a mistake after I had just said I wouldn't make that mistake. And we got to laughing. But you see a remarkable example. I've been here over 11 years. He was the chairman of the parish council for about four or five. And he's been a deacon for how many? Since 99. To my knowledge, There has never been a time when there was a conflict between him and me as parish council chairman and priest or deacon and priest. We stand there at the altar and we are in peace with each other. There is never a time when the exchange is made between us at the beginning of the service where we are not into it It is never just perfunctory. It is dead serious when the deacon gets blessed, and we, ha- we are sincerely good friends. That is incredibly important. And what you have is two very strong-willed men. He is extremely strong-willed and highly motivated. And believe me, I am extremely strong-willed and highly motivated. If you do not believe that, ask my family whether the old man is strong-willed or not. And to have two extremely strong-willed people get along that way is an example that you dare not lose sight of. Now, why do I say this? I'm not boasting about how we get along. It has nothing to do with it. There is a line in the liturgy, and so often, honestly folks, Some of you have been doing it for 60, 70, 80 years, and you're not sure why you do it. I come out here at one point, and I say, Christ is in our midst, and you say, Now, that is no small point of the liturgy. It is incredibly important. And the reason I decided to give this homily about two or three months ago was because, you know, on many Sundays there's a dozen of us in here. A dozen priests, deacons, and uh, altar servers. Even sub-deacons. And I come out first and I exchange the greeting with the deacon And then I go around to absolutely every single person in the altar and exchange that greeting and it's the one thing that I do that that very deliberately extends the length of the service why do I do it why is it so terribly important it's terribly important particularly in here that every one of us, whether there's three or six or a dozen or occasionally 14 of us in there, it is so important that we are absolutely at peace with one another, absolutely reconciled to each other while we serve around this holy altar. But it is virtually as important that that be true of you. That as we are here together in this service, at this point in the service, that we be a reconciled people. Bishop Basil tells the story of the priest, I believe it was in Russia, who wouldn't start the liturgy. And I have told this story once, perhaps, maybe twice here, but it's worth the telling again. He tells the story of the priest who would not start the liturgy. He would just stand there. Wouldn't do anything. And the people would get all upset. He'd stand there 10 minutes. And he wouldn't start. And they complained to the bishop. People went to the bishop. They said, the priest won't start the liturgy. And the bishop came and he asked the priest, what's wrong? Why don't you start the liturgy? And the priest said, something's wrong. There is not peace in the altar. And the bishop came and the priest was there. and, And finally the priest looked at the deacon and told the deacon to move off to the side and then the priest started the liturgy what was the problem there was a problem between the deacon and the priest and there was not peace at the holy altar I mean we're entering the holy of holies for probably the first realistic ten years of my experience as an orthodox christian All ten of those years, before I actually became Orthodox, but was on the way, in the liturgy, including the Divine Liturgy, after we began using the Liturgy of St. John Chrysostom, there was a line in the liturgy, the only line we kept from old. And we were encouraged to keep it, by the way, of His Grace, Bishop Dimitri of Dallas. We were encouraged to keep the line then, and that line was this. Just before the priest came out and said, Christ is in our midst, and we responded, he is and ever shall be, the priest would say, we are a reconciled people. God the Father has reconciled himself to us through his Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, let us express our reconciliation to one another. Now, there is a technical name. There is a liturgical name. For what this piece of the liturgy is, when the priest comes out and says, Christ is in our midst, he is and ever shall be, we exchange the kiss of peace. That's what it is called. It is called the kiss of peace. When you read the scriptures, St. Paul says, greet one another with a holy kiss. And there's a difference between a kiss and a holy kiss. And this is the holy kiss. And some of you think, well, you know, Arabs are these kissy people and the Greeks are... I mean, honest folks, Arabs are the most kissy-faced people that have ever lived in the face of the history of the world. But Greeks are almost as bad. And Orthodox in general are bad. Why? Because it's just in our blood. We know about this. Somehow there's something residual that understands this kiss. It's not a romantic thing whatsoever. It's a sign of reconciliation when we, when we exchange that. That is an expression that there is absolutely not a shadow between us. He and I are going to go in here. You know, I was laughing uh, the whole rest of the service last week and, and uh, all week long. I bet I thought about it 30 or 40 times. You know, I was talked last week about churches that have a, uh, 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 a worship leader. Do you know who the worship leader at St. Anthony is? He's the worship leader. That's what the deacon is. He's the worship leader. He leads the service. The priest does not lead the service. The deacon does. And we go in there, and we're going to stand before the presence of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and there's going to be a cloud between us, not on your life. Now, what I'm after today is two or three things. Number one, I want you to understand what it is we're doing. Folks, it's not the time to say, hi. It's not the time to discuss lunch plans. It's not the time to just go chinny-chat. It is a time where, at least with those around you, you are saying before God, as far as I know, I hold no grudge, I have no problem, including with my husband or my wife, with anyone in here. We are expressing a reconciliation. You know, in, in the United States, it is not particularly culturally acceptable to do all this kissy stuff. And it's a little awkward for visitors, folks. Honestly. Don't ever turn to a visitor and do the kissy face thing. Don't do it. It's just too difficult. They don't understand it. I wouldn't have. I would have been offended. I, I mean, I would have been embarrassed. I wouldn't have known what to do. I, that's just not in my background. It's not, it was not in my world. But, whatever we do, you know, we've tried to call it the handshake of peace. We've tried to call it the greeting of peace. I don't even care what it's it's called, the kiss of peace. But what it is, what it does in the service, it is I and you. It is we together expressing that we are reconciled. There is nothing between us. Sometimes when you have community, when you have people that are together, we've been together in this church for 11 years. When you live in a community, it is impossible not sometimes to have conflict with some people in the community. Now, I'm not implying that there is right now. In fact, I would never give a homily like this if there were, because then I would be directing the homily to someone, right? And I never would do that. That's just not within me. However... What we must understand, and I'm going way beyond the relationship between us and the parish, I certainly want to include the relationship between husband and wife, even between friends, between business associates, partners, whatever. It is so imperative that we understand that as years go by and we live closely together, it is likely that conflicts will occur. We may even get angry with each other. I have been in churches where folks, there have been feuds between families for 40 or 50 years, and they barely talk to each other. I was in a parish one time, maybe 500 people on a good Sunday morning. There was conflict. You can feel it in the congregation. One powerful family that virtually ruled the parish and another not-so-powerful family that wished they ruled the parish. And yet they were just icky sweet. Icky sweet. But everyone knew the conflict was there. But there was no place for reconciliation. Now, when there is conflict in any relationship, There needs to be a reconciliation. There needs to be a resolution, and normally the resolution will have a reconciliation. So often in conflict, things get said that shouldn't ought to be said. Now, husbands, have you ever, unlike me, have you ever said anything to your wife that it was unkind? Have you ever said anything that was ornery? Well, of course not. I'm the only one who's ever done it. There needs to be a reconciliation I do right now. I'm still doing two sets of premarital counseling. And one of the things I'll stress so much, you need to learn to say I'm sorry. But there's Words that are even more important than the words, I'm sorry. Do you know what those words are? I was wrong. It's easy to say I'm sorry, but it's a lot harder to say I was wrong. Do you remember the little popular song, You Always Hurt, the One You Love, the One You Shouldn't Hurt at All? Very profound. The closer a person is to us, the more likely we are to offend that person. Therefore, in my life, the easiest person for me to offend is sitting back there. It's almost 54 years. That's a long time. You know, the two years we went together before we got married, we didn't offend each other a whole lot. It's when you get married, it's when you just go to the day-by-day life, when the, when the children are, are peeing and pooping and, you know, and, and diapers are to be changed, and we didn't have diaper service in those days because they didn't have it. And you got to take care of things, and you know whose responsibility that is. Or when mom becomes a taxi driver, some of you mothers understand that, don't you? You become a taxi driver, all you do is deliver kids all day long to soccer, to basketball, to ballet, or to whatever. And, and life just gets to be chaotic, and it's so easy for us to, to offend each other and to get angry with each other and to say those unkind things. But it's not even just the saying of them. It's, just, it's even the thinking of them, I honestly. I do not remember with my conscience before God, I do not remember ever having even in my mind that I was not reconciled with this deacon. I do not remember ever being angry with him. And and I pay attention because I know that it is not I. We stand out here in preparation every single Sunday morning and before every divine liturgy, and we pray that that we will be worthy to do this service. It is he and I that do this together on what the part that we play. My point, with your wives, with your husbands, with your children, make sure you are reconciled. Do you know what happens when you don't reconcile? Do you know what happens when you don't clean up the garbage? It gets worse. Distance grows. You drift apart and you wonder, what happened to us? Do you know what happened? It may have been a year ago. It may have been months ago. It may be four or five years ago. What happened is you, you stopped taking care of the little disagreements. You stop taking care of the conflict. You stop trying to be a reconciled people, reconciled to God and to each other. I want some of you to go home today and I want you to apologize to each other if that needs to be done. I want you to apologize. I want you to say I'm sorry. I want you to say I was wrong. Because that may be necessary in some homes here. I don't know, but it's likely. You go home and you do it. And then you make it the practice. You keep your accounts up to date. But then, here in church, as the years go by, Do you know there will never be a time when we will have as much conflict as there will be when we decide where we're going to move and where we're going to build and what we're going to build? Do you know there will never be a time in the history of a parish that is like that? Never. It's so important that we be together. It's imperative that conflicts will arise. We will have serious differences of opinion. And what we've got to do is hang together, reconciled, until we find the consensus, until we find what God has for this parish. And so my exhortation for you most of all today is when I come out here today and I say, Christ is in our midst and you say he is and ever shall be, that you understand and I understand that we are saying to each other, I am at peace. It's the kiss of peace. That's what it's called, the kiss of peace. I am at peace with everyone in here. I am at peace with a priest. I am, at, I am at peace with a deacon. I am at peace with the subdeacons. I am at peace with one another. I am at peace with the parish council chair, chairman. I'm at peace with the ushers. I am at peace. Because the next thing we're gonna do is we are going to enter into the presence of the living God to partake of the body and blood of Christ and we do not come there without being together. To enter in together, to enter, as a, enter in as a people at peace with one another, to just enter, as it were, into the joy of heaven and give thanks to God and partake of his life. Christ is in our midst.